All right, um, I'm going to share the best worst day of my life, all right? Best worst night of my life. I'm going to go for it. Uh, I grew up in Indiana. I share that probably every sermon, but uh, I, I grew up in my... My best friend's parents own this beautiful houseboat, amazing houseboat, on this lake called Dale Hollow. It's still where my heart is in the foothills of the Kentucky-Tennessee border. Now, it's important to note that this lake sits on the Kentucky side and the Tennessee side. Very important to note. And we would take the boat out. We'd park it on the lake, and we had a little motorboat. And sometimes we would go from the Kentucky side to the Tennessee side to this little marina restaurant, okay? Just picture this, beautiful hills, it's a wonderful little place. Well, we were going there, and one evening we went to eat there, and we closed the place down. I'm about 15 years old, and we go down to the boat, and won't start. The marina's closed, and won't start. We try to figure out the engine, nothing's happening, and of course we say we're just going to have to sleep on the boat. Keep in mind, this is before cell phones. And so we're like, we're going to have to sleep on the boat. Well, would you believe it that right as we said that, it starts downpouring rain. And so we think, okay, we can't sleep on the boat. We're going to have to move into this little covered area on the marina. So we go, we put it on the light. It's me, my two friends, my buddy's dad, and my buddy's mom. And we go to settle down for the night in this little marina. Well, we see this boat come up, and the boat turns its lights on, and it's a police officer who's on the lake. This is a big, 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 uh, big lake. And he says, you can't sleep here. You know, I'll take you to your boat. And I said, they said, great, where is it? And we tell them which cove it's in. And he says, oh, I'm a Tennessee police officer. I can't cross over to Kentucky. So he said, no problem, call us a cab. Now, the cabs of the foothills of Kentucky and Tennessee, there's only one cab service. You get what you get when you order a cab, okay? And so we're sitting here in the rain, and all of a sudden we see headlights come down this windy road down to the marina. And as they get closer, we notice that there is a beautiful mullet that is just blowing in the wind as this guy is driving and hanging out the window in the rain. And we're like, what is going on? Trucker hat and everything. Every stereotypical picture you're putting in your head, that's it, okay? This mullet, beautiful in the wind. And he comes and he starts talking. And we can't understand a word he is saying. It's going right there and going to do any except turn right there and do that. And we're just like, what is going on? Well, well, we we got to kind of translating and we realized that the, the defrost was not working on his cab. And so now I'm sitting with me and my two friends. I'm in the middle. My buddy's mom, who's 50 at the time, laying across our legs. And my buddy's dad taking a shirt that I had to donate off my own back to, to wipe the windows while this guy is driving. Now, throughout this guy, we find out that he is also crazy. But we can't understand what he's saying. Tom Cruise, he says that. And we said, okay, what's going on? And somehow he said his nickname is Tom Cruise because he looks like Tom Cruise. This dude did not look like Tom Cruise. At one point, we come around the spin, and he's there. Turns out he broke both his legs, jumping off of this cliff, and someone had abandoned a car at the bottom of the lake, and so he broke both his legs. I'm not making this stuff up. Halfway through our ride home, all of a sudden, the uh, smoke starts billowing from the taxi. Billowing from the taxi. Uh, the taxi caught fire. We pull over to this little gas station that's abandoned. Keep in mind, it's about 1 a.m. in the morning. 
and he starts talking again. Turns out, after translation, he says, I actually live in a trailer right there, and you guys can sleep with me tonight in this place. And my, my friend's mom says, there is no way that I am going and sleeping in this man's house. So anyway, long story short, get the, everything calms down. They call the uh, other cab, and as we're waiting on the other cab, we're standing there, and all of a sudden, we hear him speak again. Get in the car. Get in the car, so we run and we jump in the car, and we don't know what's going on, but it turns out there is a group of wild dogs that are crossing the street as we're stuck in this thing, and he, we now have to be in this steaming car because there is a group of wild dogs coming to after us. No big deal. All of a sudden, we see headlights come across up above the pin, and all of a sudden we hear, thud, 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 thud. the cab that was coming to pick us up had hit the wild dogs and had crashed into the uh, side barrier, so we had to call another cab. Long story short, we ended up getting home. Why do I tell this story? I don't know. The Lord just put it on my heart. There's actually a reason that I told this story. Fast forward a couple years later. I'm sitting there in, uh, in college, and I was part of a church plant, and this church plant had these prayer nights. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, people start talking in tongues. And I'm like, what is happening? And it brought me back to the taxi driver. I'm like, I have no idea what they are saying. And then even worse, I then started speaking in tongues. And I was like, what is happening? See, I grew up in a church uh, that I really gave my life fully to Christ in college, okay? But I grew up in a church that did not talk about these things. Uh, I, I, I never, you know, thought that I would be kind of in a place where uh, I would even be around it because we didn't talk about it. And as I was talking about many people, I was talking to many people leading into this sermon, this is not something that you usually hear from stage, all right? But it's something that's important. As we talk about spiritual giftings, I grew up and this was not something we talked about. And we were not part of talking about or ever speaking in or ever hearing the gift of tongues. And so I grew up in a, talk, a church that never did this. For many churches, this is the black plague. They do not talk about these things. And I'll talk a little bit about that, why it's important. But I had this experience, and I had no context or framework for it, okay? And that's why I want to talk about this today. Because some of us may have this experience, some of us may never, but we want to have context, and we want to have reason to talk about these things. I want to acknowledge a couple things. There is a wide spectrum when it comes to the gift of the tongues in this room. There is a wide spectrum, and I just want to acknowledge it. Um, I think there's some people uh, that have had a lot of experiences with it and some that have had no experiences with it. But in redeemed style, we're going to go for it, okay? We are about reading the word and we're about talking about these things because the Lord wants us to explore things together because the spirit is moving in this church. Can you guys feel it? Yeah. The spirit is moving in this church and I'm so thankful for that. I, every, every Sunday, I thank God for how he has I always speak of it as like this like heavenly kiss. Do you ever feel that? Like it is just gentle and nice and I'm just so thankful for the Lord. But we've got to explore these things together. Now I'm going to talk and this is not going to be exhaustive. 
exhaustive. So there might be some questions that come up, and we get to do it together. How fun is that? We get to talk about these things together. And if you're new here, welcome. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know how else to say it, but I'm actually hopping on a flight to Indiana to, uh, to later tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So if you have questions, good luck. You know, talk to Marty or Eddie or Liz or somebody. But uh, we don't hold these things. Many of us have questions or even we might disagree and, and then we hold it to ourselves. And uh, that's the worst because you either get re re resentment or you leave. And we don't want any of that stuff because we are in this together. Because I believe one truism about this church, if I've ever been a part of churches and I've been a part of a lot of churches, God knit each person together in love here. I have never been a part of a church where God has knit each person together in love. People come to church, but no, we are in this together, whether you like it or not. This is like the Thanksgiving table. Look around, whether you like it or not. These are your people, okay? <laughs> We're committed to growing and being together because we continue the story called Healthy Spirit-Led Church. The spiritual gifts are from God to advance his kingdom. We have to set that up. We should not shy away from them because of that. And there's a temptation to shy away from it because of that, because they don't know what to do with it. But this is how God advances his kingdom. Remember, Paul, not me, tells us not to quench the spirit, right? And we talk about this often. If the spiritual gifts can be used, they can also be abused. We talk about that a lot. Tongues, in particular, many people have abusive stories in this area. I will not allow that in this church. If there's any place that church discipline is going to come, if I hear of that, we, the elder team, we will take care of that because this is a place of beauty and a place of God wanting to move in very gentle ways and very powerful ways at the same time. And we can't have it where it's abusive, okay? Everyone on the same page. Yeah. The speaking in tongues is no exception to these rules. But a healthy spirit-led church, I believe that all the giftings are activated to advance the kingdom of God. And people will be saved and people will be transformed and the kingdom will be advanced when, the, spirit, when the, the gifts of the Spirit are moving and flowing within the church. And, people, and, and what we see is that they might be strange, and we may not have all the answers to them. We don't. I mean, you know, we've got to figure this out. But we, at the same time, they're important because this is how God wants to move. Amen? Amen? We're good? All right. We're forced to the center, not the circumference. I love that Eddie said that. And the center for this talk is this, that God wants to be close to us, and he wants us to be close to him, okay? Right. So that's the baseline, okay? He desires closeness, and the gifts really advance this in a lot of ways for each one. Some of you grew up here where this gift was active, and some of you, I've heard of people that went to like summer camps where you couldn't get food until you spoke in <laughs> tongues. That's wild to me. Uh, but a, I've heard a couple stories like that, okay? And, I, and I've heard that, but some of, you, some of us, Tongues is one of the most uncomfortable topics that you could ever hear from stage besides sex. <laughs> We're going to go for it, okay? This is like, this uncomfortable. I, I'm uncomfortable too, you know, sometimes. We can just clear it out. But some churches think that, that the gift of tongues is no longer needed, right? Some people believe that. Some people, some churches believe it's a salvation issue. Like, you have to have it to be saved, okay? I mean, these are the spectrums that we're talking about. But we're going to look together and go deep in a short period of time to really talk about and look at what does the Bible actually say about these things, okay? 
So remember, 1 Corinthians 12, there's this long list, and this is where we're at, of the supernatural giftings. This is me, not Paul. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. We talked about those. To another, distinguishing between spirits. Very excited. Marty's preaching on that next week, okay? This will be really good. Distinguishing spirits and discernment. Uh, and to another, different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, okay? And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we're going to lay that out. Notice he says, as he determines, he just gifts these things out, okay? That guy is rocking it out there. Thank you. In chapter 12, Paul urges the church in Corinth to celebrate the diversity of gifts, okay? That's what he's saying. He's saying there are different kinds of gifts, and this is a good thing. It's a good thing that there's a lot of different gifts. He's also going to make it very clear in 1 Corinthians throughout that this is also a place of division. These gifts can cause division. But if, it's hap but that, if that's happening, we are missing the point, okay? Because these gifts are an expression of God's power, and when God is revealed, okay, when God is active, when God is moving, then it's always unity and not division. That's how the Lord works, okay? And so he's saying there shouldn't be division if this stuff's going on. So we see Paul saying that these gifts have a common source. They have the same spirit and a unifying purpose, and that it's not about you because God distributes them to each as he determines. It's all about God, okay? That's a baseline for this. All these gifts, tongues included, is not a who's in and who's out club. No, 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 no. It is not. There is no spiritual like this, you know, we're not, we're not lining up, hey, who speaks in tongues get on this side, who doesn't on this side. That is not how this works. That's division. That's, not, that's division. And even the gift of tongues is all about God, not about you, okay? God is giving these gifts to advance his kingdom and for all of us to work as what? One. I have some of these spiritual giftings. I don't have some of these spiritual giftings. I need you and you need me, okay? That's how it works. If we look at the situation in the court church, we see insights that might help us think through ways in which the church today can make worship more meaningful. That's what we're looking at. And here's a couple things that we dig in. First, it seems that the gift of tongues or speaking an unknown language seems to have been very common in the Corinth church, okay? It's happening. Let's just say that. It's, it's happening. Second, the gift is listed with all the other spiritual gifts, so we know that it's a supernatural power, okay? So it's part of the supernatural realm. And third, it's highly coveted. It was a highly coveted gift there, which we'll see later and we'll dig in. That's part of the division, I think. We'll also look um, multiple times at 1 Corinthians 14 in particular, where Paul writes that there were people in the church who must have thought that they were actually superior because they had this gifting. And Paul's going to be like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how this is work. And fourth, the way of the gift of tongues was being used and exercised in the church in Corinth seemed to be creating tension. And he's going to say that there's confusion in your worship services, and that shouldn't happen. There should actually be a system, and there should be rules in place on how we are to worship. And so Paul's going to lay out uh, in this letter 
what it looks like for people with all the spiritual giftings, all these spiritual giftings, all the different spiritual giftings, tongues included, the right way on how this should look, okay? So we're going to look at that. It's important to note there is a temptation today. I, even saying that word, tongues, like everyone's brain just went like whatever they think or were taught or raised in or whatever. So there is a tension even in this room maybe. And I just want to call that out. So we're going to look at it together. But to divide a church, this could divide a church if there's misunderstanding on all the gifts of the Spirit. That's why we're talking about it today. So that's why we're going for it. Now I hope there's one thing you know about this church. I hope there's one thing you know about this church. And I'm going to hit this over your heads here. Some churches make it all about you and sprinkle a little God in there. This church, it's all about God and we may happen to sprinkle a little of you in there, okay? That's the thing. This is all about God. I don't know how you can read the biblical text and not understand that. Throughout history, it's all about God. It's all about what God wants to do. It's all about how God wants to advance. It's all about how God wants his glory. It's all about him. That's what lordship means, okay? Lordship, when we say Jesus is Lord with our mouth, we're saying we humbly submit ourselves to the will of God, to what he wants to do. It's about his greatness, his authority, his goodness, his power. And when we talk about spiritual gifts, it's the same. It's his lordship. It's not about you. Okay? So we're not dividing and it's not about you. So let's look at the primary ways, three ways that God is using the gifts of tongues. Two of them are for public ministry and one of them for personal fellowship as I look at them. Okay? So let's start at the beginning. The first set of tongues in public ministry, we see it right in the beginning. There's these stories in the book of Acts, right? where the Holy Spirit transcends our intellect and gives us the ability to speak another language. This is what's happening. There are stories in the book of Acts and other places, and I've heard of stories that are happening now where people are speaking in a language that they do not have training for, that they don't have any reason that they would know that, and they have the ability to speak for the purpose of ministering and evangelizing, okay? That's for the purpose. To another person, this sign is primarily used, I've heard it as I've kind of heard it and I read it in the biblical text, to basically get the attention of another person's heart, either for them to come to the Lordship of Jesus or for them to deepen their relationship with the Lordship of Jesus, okay? Those are the two things. It's all about what God wants to do in that. The sign is primarily used to get people's attention. Jesus told us that it was going to happen, and then we see it happen in Acts 2, Acts 10, and again in Acts 19. Now, I want us to remember that we are talking about the center and not the circumference. So if we focus on Jesus, I want to lay this out. These are verses sometimes that people will use to say, see, this is part of your salvation. If you're saved, you're going to have the gift of tongues at the same time. But I want to make it vitally clear before we go into this that the center is Jesus is Lord. And when we profess that he is Lord, we turn from our sins, we are saved. Okay? And we're saved. I'm going to bust through this, all right? John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved 
through faith. And it's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right? It's all about it. Faith is how you're saved. Okay? We're just laying it out there. And by faith, we are saved. So let's look at Acts 2 and Acts 10. What is happening? These are stories used by some people to say, okay, tongues was happening and that has to be tied to salvation. But let's dig in. Acts 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I would have loved to see that. Would have loved to see it. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is it. This is important, okay? This is the incarnation of the Spirit of God here in the upper room, and it says all speak in tongues. It's very clear here. All speak in tongues for sure. The apostles, along with other disciples of Jesus, are all gathered in the upper room, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. This is what was promised to them, right? And it says, notice it, it says crazy stuff, that there was a violent wind that came, and there's significance to this wind, okay? I, I want to lay this out. Now, wind is a powerful thing in the Bible. It, uh, it's often used uh, in a significant way when, when it's descri described how God is moving, okay? And the Hebrew word here for spirit can mean wind and spirit. So there's actually translation here that the word here for Hebrew, in Hebrew for his wind and spirit. So whenever it talks about the spirits, wind, wind, and spirit. And throughout the Bible, God is going to use it as a way of him moving. Now, Ezekiel describes the spirit of God working in and through the wind in Ezekiel 37. In this chapter, Ezekiel is shown a valley of dry bones and is asked if the bones can live. Ezekiel answers, Lord, only you know that, right? I mean, that's how we should always answer, right? Lord, only you know that. And then God demonstrates this power to Ezekiel. He gives them this vision in these dry bones. He gives them muscles and tendons, but they don't actually come to life yet, right? And rather, the dry bones only come alive when the Spirit enters them. When the Spirit enters them. So we see Ezekiel 37, 9 through 10. It says, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe for the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood to their feet, a vast army. Now we know this. Actually, I was just talking to Jonathan about this, about getting saved and like the spirit is really the thing that enters into you and brings new life, right? It's the spirit. The muscles and tendons and all that stuff are good. But if you don't have the breath of God, if you don't have the spirit of God, if you don't have the wind of God entering into you, then, you, then we miss it, right? Because this violent wind here signals the advent of the life-giving spirit coming to the disciples. In this moment, 
the breath, the Spirit of God here in the upper room starts a movement that is starting a vast army. There's parallel here, right? What happened in the upper room, what happened with those disciples, we are thousands and thousands of years later, that vast army that started from this moment, okay? And so it's very important for us to understand that there's actually a connection to what we're doing today to what happened back then. And we see that the apostles started speaking, in this case, other languages that people in the community could understand, okay? Verse uh, 5 and 6, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard their own language they were spoken, right? That they had been being spoken. God is advancing his kingdom here. It's all about God. It's not about us. And here, through the gift of tongues, where the apostles are able to speak a language that other people can hear. And it's being, and there's an amazement that's happening. Now, the next place we see is Acts 10, okay? Acts 10 and Cornelius, okay? Now, keep in mind, between Acts 2 and Acts 10, there are a ton of people getting saved, and there's no mention of tongues in that as well, right? There's just people getting saved left and right and all this stuff. There's no mention of tongues there. But then in Acts 10, we see it again. Uh, And what we see is that Cornelius is a centurion, a Roman military officer, and he's saved and he starts speaking in tongues. And the story is because uh, uh, it's showing that all people who are saved can have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 45-47. The circumcised believers, meaning the Jews, those who had Jewish descent, Uh, who came, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, even on these people that were not of Jewish descent. God's doing something significant here. Not only is he saying that non-Jewish people can be saved, but he's also saying, and they have the Holy Spirit in them, and they're going to have the same giftings as as the Jewish crowd. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Keep in mind, it does not say here that other languages, but they're speaking in tongues. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Acts 2 is important because it's the inauguration and the incarnation of the Holy Spirit into believers. Acts 10 is important because it's saying all people can come and be saved, and they can get the Spirit and the works of the Spirit happening through them, okay? Gentiles can be saved and filled with the Spirit because Cornelius had it. And keep in mind that Acts, there are actually more stories of people getting saved and not speaking in tongues than there are of just speaking in tongues, okay? I This still happens today. I hear stories all the time. Uh, people will be praising and they'll be in worship and they'll be speaking in tongues and someone like across the aisle will come over and be like, how do you know that language? You're singing in my language. It's crazy. There's a, there's a wild story. Uh, my buddy was in YWAM and he told me the story and I checked it to be true, but there was this guy who was getting ready to hop on a flight and he was part of YWAM and he asked, he just felt called to pray for this person and he prayed for this person and he started speaking in tongues and as he was speaking, this person like stopped him and like, how do you know that language? And he's like, I don't know that language. I'm just speaking in tongues. And he said, 
I'm one of three people that know this ancient language. He was a professor and he was like, you should not know this language. And the guy came to Christ from that. It's absolutely incredible. Now, the second gift of tongues is this gifts of tongues with interpretation. Okay, that's what it says here with interpretation. This is another form of public ministry. There seems to be a heavenly language that is getting spoken. It seems there's no earthly language that can be spoken or that people can understand. And we see Paul tells us that when it happens in the corporate worship setting, there should be interpretation. Remember 10 through 11, it says that, that there is the, another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another, the interpretation of tongues. Notice that it doesn't say a translation. There's not a translation. There's actually an interpretation that's happening. God may be giving the gift of tongues to somebody and in an amazing only God moment, he's giving to somebody else the interpretation. Again, one body, the same spirit. And so there might be this opportunity where tongues is getting spoken and they're going to get the interpretation again. I have seen this in small prayer settings, right? And I've seen it at churches as well. But it's an amazing thing because what happens is when that happens, it actually enters into the, the realm of prophecy, of prophecy. And this is important because let's look at this. Paul says this, and we read this a couple weeks ago. 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I would like every one of you to speak, to, for you to speak in tongues. So there's a desire. Paul has a desire that everyone would speak in tongues. But I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets it, right? So the church may be edified. God is all about the church getting edified. I am amazed at what God has been doing in this church to edify us, okay? Build us up. He's going to build us up. Paul has a desire for everyone to speak the gift of tongues, if that's what it is. And, but we'll see next that the tongues that are used most often are a prayer language, but it's important in a corporate setting that there is interpretation for the whole church to be edified. 1 Corinthians, he keeps going, 6 through 12. I love this. I'm just going to read this. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? This is huge. Even in the case of a lifeless thing that makes sound, such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction between the notes? All right? It's just noise, if not. If there's not a distinction with the, note, the, the, the notes, then there's noise. Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will be ready to go to battle? Because... It's all about battle, right? The church is supposed to be active. It's supposed to be moving. So it's like you can speak this all you want, but if there's no call, if there's no prophecy, if there's no edification, then what's the point? And what we see here is that unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. I, if then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager, so there's eagerness, for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel at the ones of those that build up the church. It's all about building up the church. 
he goes on in verse 18 and 19. Sorry, there's a lot of scripture here, but I just want to make sure that we're clear. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. There you go, Paul. He's like, I got it more than all y'all. You think you speak in tongues? I can, I can go to town on you. But in the church, he says this, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. He reiterates the importance in a corporate setting of there being order and of there being edification of the church, okay? This is very important. He's like, look, I got it. I can speak it. But in the church, I would rather have just five intelligible words that change someone's life. Isn't that amazing? That's what it's all about. It's all about edification of the church. That's what Paul is clearly, impo- is clearly important. That, that, that there's an imper- important place if it happens. And, and done well, that's totally fine. But for the church, the gifts of prophetic, are, including tongues and interpretation, are more important than us just speaking this heavenly language if we have it. We see order in this place. And Paul makes it crystal clear again. Uh, verse 23 and 25. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in and while everyone is prophesying, they are convinced of sin and they are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship exclaiming, God is really among you. God is all about saving people. He uses the gift of tongues to advance God's kingdom and to save people, okay? I mean, he uses the spiritual giftings to advance his kingdom and to bring people under the lordship of Christ. And he's saying, whoa, 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 if you guys have disorder and everyone's just talking in tongues or speaking their heavenly language and there's wildness and someone's gonna come in and they're gonna be like, these people are out of their mind. And so it's important that there's order, especially in the corporate setting. And Paul emphasized that the tongues, there's an important place on this, but at the same time, it's all about prophecy and it's all about there has to be interpretation because there has to be order, okay? Now, lastly, I want to talk about tongues for personal intimacy. There's a personal intimacy that takes place sometimes with tongues. Uh, Connectedness is what God desires in every one of his believers, okay? Every one of his believers. If you are just hearing anything in this talk, if you're like even just exploring faith, I want you to hear this. God wants you to be connected to him and he wants you to be, or he wants you to be connected to him and he wants to connect with you. That's the baseline. That is the baseline, okay? He wants to connect with you. What's incredible is that God gave each of us if you're a believer in this, in this room, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And what happens is that Holy Spirit gives you the opportunity to connect every day, every minute, every second, every moment, every hardship, every pain, every sorrow. Whenever you need it, the Holy Spirit lives in you and the Holy Spirit is connecting you to the living God. This is incredible truth. And throughout the New Testament, we see that he had... That, that, that each of us have this Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is activated in your prayer time, whether you're speaking in, prayer, in tongues or not, okay? I want to lay that off. He is saying that when we pray, 
the Holy Spirit's in us, and part of the job of the Holy Spirit is that in our prayer time, he's connecting us, okay? Again, whether you're speaking in tongues or not. John 14, 26, Jesus tells us, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay? In our personal prayer time, the Holy Spirit is activated and he reminds us, he brings things up to help us remember that what the Father said and what Jesus has for us. All of us have that, okay? He will guide us, Jude 1 to uh, 120. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Here we're told that praying with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, what does it do? Builds up our faith. So not only is he helping us remember what the truths of God and what God has said about us, he's also saying the Holy Spirit will come into your prayer time and he'll build up your faith. Gosh, we all need that, huh? Ephesians 16, 8. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people, the Holy Spirit. We pray in the Holy Spirit. But we also see here in 1 Corinthians 14 that Paul specifically identifies tongues as a gift for some people in personal prayer not just tongues that minister to the church, okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 2, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Again, God wants connectedness. God wants connectedness. And at times, there is a gift that can come where there are these utter mysteries that come out, okay? These utter mysteries. And, and some people have experienced it. Some people haven't. Maybe you have heard people speak in tongues. Maybe you haven't heard people speak in tongues. But there's a, a dimension of self-edification when this happens, okay? That's what's happening. When I find myself praying in the Spirit, when I find myself at a low point in my life, which happens a lot, can anybody relate? These moments where you're just like, ah, Lord, I can't go anymore. Or, Lord, I, I'm anxious. Or, Lord, I'm fearful. Or, Lord, I, Lord, I'm worried. Or, Lord, I'm just feeling down on myself, right? Whatever it is, one of the ways I found to replenish my soul is to get away, to get into my word, and start praying, okay? I, this, is, this message is like 101 faith. I wish I had more clever ways to say it. But, man, when you're feeling that, go get in your word. And go get in prayer, and I'm telling you, it replenishes your soul, okay? And one of the things, not all the time, not most of the time, for me, this is my experience. Some of you might disagree or have different things. Not all the time, not most of the time. Sometimes I will find myself at this low point or in these moments of need where I go from praying in the Spirit, and I go from English to a heavenly language, right? Again, there's no pressure. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, there's no expectation on my end. I just find myself praying it that way, right? And, and what happens is I pray in the Spirit and I fix my mind on the needs of myself and the needs of people and the needs of people in my family, the needs of people in the church. And I find the Spirit when I find the last word that I have to say. Sometimes the Lord comes on me. Sometimes in tongues. Sometimes just in 
just personal remembrance that the Lord starts speaking truth, starts speaking Bible verses to me or whatever, but where there's an edification that happens. And Paul's saying there are these times where you might utter mysteries where you're like, I don't know what I just said, but my mind is active and my heart is active, but my words are saying something that I don't know what I'm saying. And it's these moments where he, he builds this. Now, uh, I want to be very clear. Anytime we get in the Word, anytime we pray, anytime we meet together, two or three of us, and just talk about life, the Holy Spirit is active. We all have the connectedness. I'm just teaching this because it talks about it, right? And I'm speaking out of my personal personal uh, experiences. But this is not a who's in and who's out club. The Holy Spirit is active in this church. There are people, friends, people in this room, part of this community, people that uh, are outside of this community that like, they don't speak it. Uh, but man, their faith, they run circles around me when it comes to faith, right? Man, they have the gift of faith and they were like, let's take that hill and the Lord's going to be with us. And I'm like, let me go into my prayer closet for a little bit because I need the Lord to move. The spiritual gifting, every gifting, is not about you. I say this all the time. I wish it was because it'd be a lot easier for me to grow this church, but we're not doing that because I don't know how else to say this. God wants to move. God wants to advance the kingdom. He wants to do it through you, but it's not about you. And there are brothers and sisters in this room that have giftings that I don't even come close to having. And there's giftings that I have that they don't have. And what's awesome is that God's like, hey, Marty, I want you to be Kurt's father-in-law. Hey, Kurt, I want you to pastor, and I'm going to put Mama Bertha in there with you. And Mama Bertha, I'm going to put Jonathan in there, and he's going to come in. I'm going to put Brian, he's going to serve in this way. I'm going to put Diego, I'm going to serve in this way. I'm going to put Liz and John. All these people, all these people coming together, and all of us have spiritual giftings. And I need them just as much as they need me. And there are moments. All I'm saying is that there are moments because I believe that God is building us up in substantial ways. And I believe that he wants in this natural realm for us to connect to the spiritual realm. And sometimes he's going to give words to Mama Bertha and she's going to call me and she's going to say, this is what I heard in my prayer time. And I'm going to get to decipher and discern whether that's for me or not, right? But he, all God's saying is, I have these things in the spiritual realm. And we as a church are going to take the natural realm, and he's going to be moments where he just says, you're going to see clearly. You're going to see clearly what I'm doing in the spiritual realm here on the natural realm. And that's what's happening. You might feel strange. It might feel uncomfortable at times. Trust me, it was uncomfortable. If you remember... I started, this word, I started this sermon series because I read 1 Corinthians 12.1. Let me read that to you again. Now about the gifts of the spirits, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. How can we be informed if we're not willing to talk about it from the stage? 
How can we be uninformed if we're not willing to grow together? Okay? That's what God's doing because I see, bring this up. God wants to move. I think that he is doing something special with Redeem. Trust me. I was actually just uh, at a thing yesterday, and, and um, Lisa, I'll point out, her and I were talking yesterday, and I was just kind of bringing up, and, I, and I, I think I said these exact words. I don't know what God is doing, but I know he's doing something. Each one of us, this is hard work. We meet in an office building. If you're new here, we're building a worship center. Don't worry. We meet in an office building. All of you show up. If the Lord wasn't moving uniquely through each one of your lives to come together to build a tapestry of the Lord's moving, we would not be showing up here, right? And so all I'm saying is that I don't have any expectations that, that all of a sudden there's going to be wild movements and all this stuff. All I'm saying is that we're going to be prepared as a church for whatever God wants to do because sometimes it's strange. But that's why we're talking about these things. That's why we talked about all summer long the weirdness of God, the stories that are weird about God that show him to move. And that's why we're talking about spiritual giftings. Not because we have an expectation, not because we're saying, hey, this is what this is going to look like. No, we're saying, hey, God, if this is how you want to move, we're going to be ready. All right? Stand up to your feet. I want to express that I love each one of you. I'm in a feel, feely mood today. Sorry. <laughs> I love each one of you, and, uh, and I can say that, and I love that about our size church because we get to actually know each other, and we can say that. So, Heavenly Father, I pray right now for each person. I pray right now for anybody that has been abused by church. In Jesus' name, the house of miracles gone. I pray for any person that feels left out or feels confused by anything that someone said to them or someone's spoken word curses on them. And Lord, I pray for freedom right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that this would be a house that's all about Jesus as Lord. And Lord, all I want to, to say about us is standing here speaking on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Lord, have your way in us. If there's anything that's holding uh, us back, anything that's uh, not allowing our ears to hear, anything that like are holding our tongues back from saying, I pray, Lord, that you would remove it, Lord. I pray that you would uh, continue to help us as a church pursue holiness on the inside so that we can be focused on the outside because that's the desire of this church. Lord, if there's any confusion that's taking place in this body, Lord, I pray that you would just, your spirit would just move, would remove it, or that we could talk together in love. Lord, because it's all about you. It's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.